Before I get into our uh, series that we've been in today, we're going to continue. I want to take a detour in the scriptures real quick for a moment. I want to jump ahead a few hundred years in the stories that we're walking through to share with you something from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a section of wisdom written largely by a, a king named Solomon, king of Israel, but not all by Solomon. Some of it was written by other people uh, uh, who added to the, to the writing, it written over a long period of time. And a lot of them are just little tidbits, little morsels of just great wisdom and truth, like little fortune cookie zingers, like, wow, that's a good one right there, you know? And that's the Proverbs. But towards the end of Proverbs, the last couple chapters specifically were written by other authors. And in Proverbs chapter 31, Proverbs 31 was written by a man named Lemuel. Lemuel. And um, we're going to get into that in just a minute here. But let me just give you this background. He's a king, not from Israel. And um, before, before we see um, what was said to him, he says at the beginning, these sayings, and by the way, if you've ever read Proverbs 31, if you've ever read this chapter, you know that probably the most famous thing about Proverbs 31 is the verses about a virtuous woman, you know, and how valuable that is. And that's a, if you've been in church world, you probably are familiar. But the beginning of this chapter, which King Lemuel wrote all the content, tells us something I want us to see today. The sayings of King Lemuel contain this message, which his mother taught him. So I, th that, I want to uh, stick back there for a minute here. She says to him, she, by the way, this is great for uh, the baby dedication. This man is going to be a king someday. And, and since he was a little guy, since he was a little fella, he had a mom who spoke into his life preparing him for that day, preparing him for the time when he would one day be a king, preparing him for the things he should know, things he ought to know how to do, things he ought to know not to do, and, and just guiding him. And what, a, what an amazing person for this man to all these time later write these proverbs but mention his mama and say, she taught me some things that have stayed with me so much that as I write these proverbs, I, which, by the way, are immortalized in the Hebrew scriptures for us to this day, and as, as, she, as she says these things to him, he remembers them as a king someday and says, my mama taught me some things that have guided my life. What a great reminder, especially today. What does she say to him? Verse 2, she says, Oh, my son, oh, son of my womb, oh, son of my vows. Verse 3, she says, Do not waste your strength on women. On those, things who, on those who ruin kings. That's interesting. Don't waste your strength in women. She's a son, you're going to have a chance to be, to be something special one day, but if you're not careful, you're going to let what happened to you happens to so many people and to so many men. That they're going to let their passions and their lusts and their wrongful desires pull them down a path where it's going to ruin everything. It could ruin their, their family, their home. They could ruin their, it could cause a career to come to an end or an opportunity to close. It can, it can cost a lot of money. It can cost influence. Listen, she says, you, if you're not careful, you'll waste your strength, your calling, and your giftings on women who, and but you ought to find a good one. And women can, women can waste their strength on men. And, and boy, if every woman and man could find a good person to stand with, but not to chase relationships just because of lust and passion or wrong desires or wrong types of people that can just pull us on a path of ruin. And his mama said to him, don't waste your opportunity and your potential and your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. 
Then she adds this in verse 4. She says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, to, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol. So now she's going to warn him and say, listen, another thing that has ruined many people through the years is, is, is substance abuse, right? Is, in this case, it's drunkenness. And it's a spot where a person, and many people have, have lost, again, their families or their careers or their influence or their opportunities or for their financial well-being because of their wrong relationship with a bottle or something else. And she says, son, if you're going to be a king someday, you need to understand that this thing can ruin you. Watch out for your relationship with the booze and with the women. She says in verse 5, For if they drink, they may forget the law and not give justice to the oppressed. She says it's dangerous. It's dangerous to be in a spot where you will be blinded to what you're supposed to do because you have an unhealthy relationship with, in this story, with, with, with um, substance abuse or women. And what she was saying to him in this passage is basically this. She, for our purposes today, she was saying, hey, son, don't waste your strength on things that make you weak. Don't waste your strength on things that make you weak. So many people through their lives have, have gone on paths, and this is men and this is women both, who've gone on paths and have wasted their opportunities and strength and, and, and giftings and so many things that could have been over things that they found a weakness and a proclivity towards. Don't waste your strength on things that make you weak. Well, I wonder when King Lemuel's mother told him that, if she had another story in mind. We rewind a few hundred years, or we might come to a story that we're going to continue with today. If you've been with us this year so far at Lighthouse, we've been tracking through the, uh, we're going through a series of, of the, the, the books, the Bible means books. And there's two collections of books in what we call the Bible. There's the Hebrew Scriptures and the Christian Scriptures. We've been working our way through the, Christian, the Hebrew Scriptures, because they came first, and seeing the narrative arc of, of the stories there. And then we'll eventually get to the Christian Scriptures and continue. And, and we made it to the time era of the Judges, and a time when the Israelites had settled into the land of Canaan that was promised to them by their their, uh, you know, by God to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hundreds of years earlier before they were enslaved in Egypt and they were brought out of slavery and through the wilderness and finally back into the land of Canaan. They settled down, but they're still surrounded by potential enemies and threats. And, and we saw a pattern happens in the time period called the time period of the judges, which by the way, we've called this little limited series uh, that we're on the rescuers. Because it happens in the time period of the judges. Where what would happen is that the, uh, the Israelites would, would be on top side. They would turn away from God. Turn away from God. Usually a generation later, they, they think they, had, they have better ideas. They would turn away. Inevitably, they'd end up in a hot mess because of it. Their unwise choices, their, their unwise living would lead them to a mess. They'd be overtaken or oppressed by their enemies around them. They would cry out to God. And, and when they cried out to God, he would set, raise up a judge or a deliverer or a rescuer to free them from their oppression. They'd be on topside again, and then they'd continue the cycle. A generation later, they'd walk away from God. They'd end up in trouble. They'd cry out to God. He'd raise up a rescuer. They'd be on topside again, and on and on it would go. And a couple weeks ago, we saw a list of all the rescuers in the time era of the judges. But um, we even studied a few like Ehud and Deborah and Gideon. But today we want to look at one more story, and it begins with a couple who is, 
out minding their own business during a time period when the Philistines were the enemies that were oppressing Israel. The Philistines, by the way, I, for those who care to know this, so many of the era of the judges that we're reading about here these last few weeks, the things that we're reading about are involving people who they were kind of regional judges. There were regional enemies, regional threats. Certain tribes would be oppressed. They would fight for their independence. But the Philistines are kind of the big one. They, they really make all of Israel's life miserable. And, and they're just oppressing the nation. And so again, Israel has wandered from God and from wise living. They've cried out to him now, and God's going to raise up a rescuer. He appears to a woman in the field one day and says to her, you're going to have a baby and he's going to be special which is very unusual because in no other judge's story or any of the stories here did God appear that early. Usually he just came to some adult and said, hey, get busy, be a rescuer. But in this story, he comes years earlier to mom and says, your son's gonna be a rescuer. And so here's some rules to, to raise him by. And then of course you have the, um, the uh, husband comes out in the field and hears the same speech. Let's read some verses from this story together. Judges 13, four, the angel says to her, so be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. What does that mean? Um, well, obviously, they had a certain foods that were forbidden in their ancient Hebrew culture. A lot of it was in their laws. It was for health reasons. What he was saying is don't drink or eat anything that would harm the baby. Don't drink or eat anything that would harm the child that is supposed to be special for God. Don't, 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 don't do something to hurt him by how you treat your body as you carry him. He goes on and says this, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. We have an ACU, uh, a friend's up there humming it sounds like. I don't know what's going on. Sorry for the distraction. Um, it'll probably do that the whole service, so my apologies to you. Um, so the, he would become a Nazarite to God from birth. What the word Nazarite means is there's a special group of people who were given a special, they were kind of sectioned off as God's chosen people with special vows. They couldn't cut their hair. They had extra cleanliness laws. Nazarites are not to be confused with Nazarenes. If you've ever been in church a while, you've heard the term Nazarene. That just means someone who came from Nazareth. A Nazarite is someone with a special connection to God through this relationship, and, and Sam, uh, this young man is going to be that person. Never shave his head, and, and with this going to come special powers, almost superpowers, basically. Super strong, super strong man uh, who will be used by God to, he says, he will begin to rescue Israel. He was a rescuer. Rescue Israel from the Philistines. Well, sure enough, in verse 24, when her son was born, she named him Samson, if you didn't already know where this was going, it's the story of Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. Now, I've got to give you a quick disclaimer for some of you who are here with us today. About nine months or so ago, we actually talked about Samson uh, uh, one Sunday in church last year. And so it's, I almost wanted to skip talking about him today, but we, that was before we knew that we were going to do this journey through the Scriptures, through the Hebrew Scriptures. And it's kind of hard to skip this time period. It's hard to go through this time period and skip Samson. So I thought we got to kind of need to visit it again today. So here we are. But I told you then that when I picture Samson, he, as we're going to see, he was a ladies' man. He has long hair and he's super strong. 
Whenever I think of that, I, I maybe picture someone that looks like Jason Momoa. You know what I'm talking about right now? Okay, that's just, you know, my mind. So if that helps you girls enjoy the sermon more, you're welcome. If that helps you guys enjoy the sermon more, okay. You know, but anyhow, um, it, this is the background going on here. Um, Samson, strong man, grows up, and he can be a rescuer. He can be a man who is used to redeem Israel from the Philistine power. In other words, if he just stays on track, he can say, hey guys, like, like Gideon did, like others did, follow me, we're gonna win this thing. But, but Samson wasn't much interested in that. He had an eye for the women. He had an eye for the ladies. And he always had a tendency of getting sidetracked. In fact, there's several stories of him and the, the women, and it was never one of his own, like a girl from his tribe of Israel or from anywhere in Israel. It was always a girl from the Philistines. Like literally, their oppressors, their enemies. Samson had an eye for, for them. Well, let's pick up one of those stories for now. We'll tell two today. Judges 14, 1. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. And then she returned it to him. No, that was, that was just a bad dad joke. I'm so sorry. I did not need to do that. Uh, anyhow, when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah uh, caught my eye. Now, see, I can't, I can't unsee that now. Um, anyhow, I want to marry her. Get her for me. Here he is. Like I was out there in a place he probably shouldn't have been, and he, and he did what he's done before and what he'll do since. He fell for a Philistine girl. He says, I want to marry her, get her for me. And her, his parents are exasperated because this is not the first time this has happened. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites that you could marry? They asked. You know, can you hear them now? Why can't you marry a good Jewish girl? You know, so they're all frustrated. Um, they asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. And isn't that like the worst right there? Like here's my whole basis points for, here's my basis points for what I'm looking for. Not will she be a good mother to our kids. Not will she stand by me. Not will she help me fulfill my call. Not will can I help me, me, me who she needs me to be. Not any of that. She looks good to me. Well, by that criteria, he wants to get married and he does. Verse 4 says, his father and mother did not realize that the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. In other words, God even uses our unconventional paths. This is the, the beauty. We talked about this in our small group this week that I, if you're, if you're a part of that, you remember that God gives us, God is both sovereign and gives us freedom to choose. And that seems like a dichotomy, but it's not because God's big enough to, to let us make choices, but also still accomplish his greater purposes. And though Samson was not going down the path of wisdom here and for his own sake as a, as a rescuer, God's like, I'll work in that. And, and, and I want to say this to you. I know we're really not picking on Martin and Jacqueline here, but I want to say it because of the baby dedication today. I'm thinking about it as I'm going through it here. That's a great comfort to us as our kids get older. Trust, as our kids get older, that God, we don't always... We don't always get it right, and they don't always get it right. But, but when we trust the Lord, he's doing his job. He cares more about us and our family than we do. And he's able to take even missteps and work them for his good. Anyhow, Samson on his way to visit her over and over again. He visits this girl, 
and he marries her. And it's really weird if you kind of read the story and understand what's happening. He goes to her place and has a wedding without any of his own people in Israel there. Like the bridal party and the groom's party is all from her side. I mean, everything's there. But he go back and forth to visit his parents in Israel and then go to the city of the Philistines to visit his wife. And one day going back and forth, a lion attacks him. And Samson's got these super strength powers. He kills the lion with his bare hands. That's incredible. He comes back through another day, and when he comes back through, he finds that in the lion's carcass, he hears bees, and he looks inside, and they've built a, 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 there's honey in there. And part of his Nazarite vows is not to touch that, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care about anything. He reaches in and gets some honey and eats it and thinks it's delicious. He goes to visit his wife, and they're about to enter a one-week-long festival in the Philistine area. And so it's a time of drinking and partying and revelry, and Samson's like, hey, I want to have some fun. So he says to some of the guys there, like 30 Philistine guys, he says, guys, I want to offer you a riddle. And if you can guess my riddle, let's make a little wager. This is before DraftKings and all that stuff. You know, let's make a little wager here. Um, if, if I give you a riddle and you can't answer it before the festival is over, then you, you each owe me a, a, an outfit, a change of clothing. There's 30 of you, that's 30 outfits. I'll get a whole new wardrobe out of the deal. But if, but if you figure out my riddle, then I'll owe each of you, myself, each of you, a change of clothing, which means I got some work to do. What do you think? And they're like, sure, what's your riddle? And he gives them this really weird riddle about that lion and the honey that was growing in its carcass and how that out of the mouth of the eater came forth meat, out of something strong came forth something sweet. And no one knows what that means, and he thinks he's got them, you know. But the, but the Philistines decide they're not going to lose this bet to this Yahoo from Israel. So they go to his wife and say to her, listen, you figure out his riddle, and if you don't, we're, if you don't find out his riddle, we're gonna kill you, your father, and burn down your house. So she's threatened. So she decides she'd better work on her husband. In Judges 14, 16, so Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me, you hate me. You ever heard that before? from a manipulative people, guys or girls, people in your life who are manipulative. Manipulative people always do that, by the way. They always have to come around and say, if you really love me, you do everything I want. Now, I know that love compels us to do certain things, but, but manipulative people, they always, everything is about proving your love. If you really love me, you do everything I want you to do. You work it out my way. I'm gonna, that's a control mechanism. So she's gonna play the if you love me card. You don't love me, you hate me. You've given my people a riddle, but you've not told me the answer. And here's what Samson says to her. I haven't even given my own, the answer to my own father or mother. Why would I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Have you ever been there before? Men, do not look at your girl right now. Do not, just look at me with eyeballs wide open and don't budge. Just, you have know nothing of what I'm talking about. None of you do, right? You've never experienced this in your life, nobody. And your girls have never experienced it from your husbands or guys either, right? We're all like, what? That's not my experience. Okay, anyhow. But she tormented him so much with her nagging that he finally says, fine, just here's the answer. And tells her. Which is effective, it works, she told, he told her. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So she betrays him, of course. 
So before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town, the last day of the festival, they came to Samson with their answer, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And right then, Samson knew what happened. He knew right then what happened. He was mad. He's like, doggone it, I had this thing, and they would have never figured it out. And they got to her. He's upset. In fact, his answer, Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Yikes, do not. Samson's angry. He's venting right here, okay? So he is so, why is he, why is he upset? By the way, he's blaming everybody else but himself. He's blaming his wife. He's blaming, but you know what the funny part is? He's the one who told the riddle. But that's how, we, that's how some of us do it, right? That's how some of us do it, right, guys? It's everyone else's fault. So anyhow, he's angry, and he's, it's because he feels humiliated. He's got to go out now and either buy or work for or do some labor to acquire 30 changes of outfits and bring them to these guys and give them to him one at a time as, as payment of his debt. Well, they smile and say, thank you very much. You know, he was humiliated. So he's upset. So what does he do? Verse, verse 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men. These are Philistines now, another Philistine city. Kills 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who solved his riddle. He's like, I'll give you their clothes, and I'll keep the rest of their stuff. But again, just the, the idea of having to pay up his bet to these people who tricked him and played him, bothered him to give it to them in their smiling faces. But Samson was furious about what had happened. And he went back home to live with his father and mother. He's like, I'm not staying with her anymore. I'm going back home to mom and dad. And he just leaves her in fury. So now what? This is the crazy part, verse 20. So his wife, his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. They're like, well, Samson's gone. Sorry about that. And his, the best man's like, um, hey, I kind of was interested. Sure, why not? So that's weird. So what happens in the next few chapters, we don't have time to read on the screen for sake of time today. But it's really interesting. And I'll just give you a couple of high points. Samson goes back after a while. He calms down, wants to visit his, his wife because, you know, you know, he's lonely or whatever. He goes back. He says, you know, he gets there and her dad's like, what are you doing here? I'm here to see my wife. Well, there's a mistake here. We thought you were done with her. You were upset with her about that riddle thing. So he gave her to somebody else. Who'd you give her to? The best man in the wedding. What? So Samson goes postal. He like kills a bunch of people. It's, you know, a bunch of Philistines. It's nuts. And in turn, the people of the city come to her family and say, what happened? Well, Samson happened. Well, why? Because of what happened earlier. They're so angry at Samson's destruction that they end up killing her father and herself and burning their house down anyhow, which is what they threatened in the first place over the riddle. They still killed her. And so Samson, when he finds that out, he just really goes crazy. He burns all their fields down. He just destroys a lot of things and people along the way. It's so bad that now other Philistine cities around them begin to form a, a little mini army to come after Samson. And they find him hiding in a town, and they demand the people of the town to send him out or they're going to destroy the whole city. The folks say, Samson, what do we, they say, he says, just tie me up and send me out. And they do, and when he gets out there, the Philistine army waiting for him yells out loud, and Samson just rips off the ropes tying him down, grabs the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, 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 bone from a dead um, donkey on the ground side, and he just kills all these people, just, just kills them all. And then 
And at one other point, he goes to another city to visit another woman of the Philistines. They try to lock him in the city at night to, to, to trap him that evening. He goes to leave and realizes he's locked in. He just takes, rips the gates off the city walls and just walks out with them and just gets away. I mean, he's just obviously super strong. No one can stop him, but they sure want to. And you should read those stories. There's more there. I don't have time to go through them. But if you want to have some fun this week, here's a homework assignment for you. Go home and read Judges chapter 13 through 16. Pop some popcorn. It'll be good. Anyhow, you think that he'd learn his lesson, but we have one more story. Judges 16 verse 4. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. She's also a Philistine woman. And he had a thing. He's like his parents said, why can't you? He just had a thing for the, he had the thing for the heathen hotties, is what I always say. Um, I don't know what the deal was, but he wanted Delilah. So he's going after uh, this relationship. And the people, the rulers of the Philistines, went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So they come to her and say, listen, we can't conquer this guy. He keeps, he's too strong, but there's got to be a secret. Like we just read our Superman comic books and saw that he has kryptonite. What is Samson's kryptonite? You know, you've got to figure it out for us. So um, tell us the secret to his strength. And if you can figure that out, we'll pay you handsomely to the tune of 1,100 pieces of silver from each of us. And she starts doing the math. You and you and you, that's a lot of money. And so Delilah decides to, to use Samson the way that Samson's using her. A different way, but the same idea. He's using her for what she, she brought to the table with her beauty and what he wanted from that. And she says, I'm going to use that to make myself rich. And I'm going to play into his lust to get ahead. And so she decides to work on him and what she does is very interesting. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. It's a bit of a salacious story, I have to warn you here. She says, Samson, hey big boy, what would it take for me to overpower you and tie you up securely? And Samson thinks, oh, we're playing those kind of games, are we? Well, if you tie me up with new rope, wink, wink, then I'll be weakened and you'll be stronger than me and, you know, whatever. He thinks this is fun. So she ties him up the way he told her to. And are you secure? Oh, yeah, you got me now. Good, the Philistines are here to capture you, she says. And he's like, what? And he just instantly flips into his power mode and just breaks out of the ropes. Where are they? She's like, oh, man, that was wrong. So she tries it again. Well, what's the secret? Seriously, you got to let me know, baby. How do I tie you up and make you weak and overpower you? Oh, okay, let's do that. So he has like seven, you know, his hair's in like seven uh, locks kind of braided together. If you tie up each lock of my hair a certain way, I'll be weak. Oh, I'll tie that up, tie it up over to this beam here. I'll do that. Are you, are you weak now? Oh, yeah, you got me now, girl. Okay, your enemies are here to capture you, Samson. He pulls right away and overpowers it again. And she keeps trying and he keeps messing with her because he wants to do whatever they're trying to do, but he does not want his enemies to get the best of him. Finally, Verse 15, Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? 
You've made fun of me three times now and still haven't told me what makes you strong. Now, folks, I've been doing this a long time. I've been pastoring a while, and I've read the Bible through so many times. Every time I read this story, it, it makes me marvel at how stupid a person can be. But I've also lived amongst humans long enough to know how stupid men can be about a lot of things like this. But you'd think he'd be like, wait a minute now, that sounds familiar. When's the last time someone played the old, you don't love me, give me your secret thing. I have that t-shirt in my wardrobe in my third drawer at home still. I'm not going to fall for it again. Last time it cost me 30 outfits and some humiliation. This is about my strength. There ain't no way I'm giving this one up. You'd think he'd see through what's happening, but doesn't our lusts and our passions and our unwanted desires sometimes blind us to wisdom? It says in verse 16, she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. And the right answer there would be, I'm sick to death of it. See ya, I'm going back to mom and dad again. But he thinks the answer is, no, I really like this girl. She'll probably not use it against me after all. We have something special. We have something special. Who said that so many times? This is different. It's magical. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. He says, my hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Yikes. Bold move, Cotton. Hope it pays off for you there. He just told her everything. Delilah realized that he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers, come back one more time, she said, for he's finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with their money in their hands. And on that day, Delilah made bank. On that day, she, payday came. She's all set now. They brought their money. They delivered it to her. And she's going to deliver. By the way, it was worth every penny of those riches for them. What would they have paid an army if they had to to conquer Samson? This was worth it to them to get rid of a major national threat at this point. Well, to continue their playful dynamic, verse 19, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. In other words, she begins to test him and it seems like he's weakening while he sleeps there. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I'll do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Not that God had left him in the sense of, what he means is that God's anointing, his power, his, his, his unique strength was gone. It was gone. And what happens next is it's very gruesome. And it's just, it just is, but it's the story that we have in the scriptures, and I'm going to read it together. Verse 21 says, so the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. It's like a good children's Bible story, right? And they gouged, what in the world? They gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain into prison. Now think about that. Why would they gouge out his eyes? Because he, he kept getting too strong for them. And they had to wonder if he gets strong enough again, what if we can't contain him? We could just kill him. That'd be one answer. But we don't want to kill him. We want to, we want to do something else with him. 
but we can gouge out his eyes, he'll be blind, and he'll be unable to fight us. It was a total move to emasculate him and weaken him. And they bound him, in, and they put him in, in this prison house where he literally ground meal like a, like a mule, walking around a, 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 a device and grinding the meal. Basically, in a blind, bound state, he spent the rest of his life making the food, preparing the food for his enemies who captured him. It's utterly degrading to him. And it's always, it's a terrible story for anyone. But when you have a mighty warrior like Samson, a guy who's on top side and strong, to see him reduced to this lot in life is jarring. It's jarring to read about it. It's just so, such a lowly place for such a strong man to be. And Samson's story serves as a reminder of the effects of, of, of sin and of unwise choices and bad living and wrong, bad choices of life. Because it says they gouged out his eyes here. Here's the thing. Long before they made him blind, Samson was already blind, wasn't he? He was blinded by his passions, blinded by his desires, blinded by the things he wanted in life so much he couldn't see where it was going to take him. They bound him, but long before he was bound by them, he was bound by the addiction he had to the things he wanted more than to make wise choices in life. And he was bound already. And in the end, he experienced what everyone experiences when we're blinded and bound by our decisions. He was grinding. And it's a tough finish. It's a tough finish. But the good news is, there's one last little redemptive arc. It says in Judges 16, but before long, his hair began to grow back. In there in the prison house, as the days passed by and the weeks passed by and time continued, his hair began to grow back. And that symbolizes something special. It symbolizes an opportunity. It symbolizes something that many of us have experienced in our lives, haven't we? Where we've ever been in a spot where we maybe made some unwise choices or we got ourselves into a mess and we're living in a spot that we're thinking, oh no, it's over for me. But if you just at that point start doing the, the, the right thing from that place, well, Samson had no choice. He couldn't go back to his old life. But for us, if we just go back from where we find ourselves in the middle of the mess we find ourselves in and we start doing the right thing from right there, and, and just move forward in the middle of that valley, in the middle of that mess. Time has a tendency of restoring. Time has a tendency of opening new doors. And this symbolizes opportunity, second chances, potential redemption. As time ticks by, his hair began to grow back again. And what happens is very interesting. At some point, the Philistines, and this is where the story will end, the Philistines decide to throw a big feast in one of their huge temples where they worship their false gods, they would gather together to throw a feast in honor of their national power and in honor of their deity that they worshiped. And, and because they, were, they conquered Israel, they controlled Israel, they had beat Samson, they're going to celebrate their power. And everyone who, who is somebody, all the who's who of the Philistines, they showed up. The military leaders, the political people, the, 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 the beautiful women on their arms, and all the people that's poured into this place, their fancy outfits dressed to the nines to celebrate their power. And while they ate and while they drank and while they celebrated, at some point they said, you know what would be a lot of fun? Bring Samson out here to amuse us. So they send for the prison. They bring Samson into the temple. And because he's blind, he can't even see where he's going. He's got no eyes and it says that they had a child, a young boy, take him by the hand and lead him into the middle of the temple. Such a humiliating thing that it was on purpose. 
Because now their former enemy that could wipe them out is so blind that a child has to lead him along as he can't go anywhere without help. And as they watched him led in by this child, everybody erupted in celebration and laughter and mocking and clapping over the defeat of their enemy. And Samson was there to entertain them in any way they wanted while they ate and drank and partied. At some point along the way, Samson tells the boy who was helping him around, he says, can you help me find the, the two pillars in the center of this place? That, or in the center, where are the two pillars that hold this place up? And the boy's young and doesn't understand what he's asking for. So he leads him to these spot, and he places them, and, and Samson can fill these two strong pillars that supported the temple. And it says in verse 28, then Samson prayed to the Lord. He said, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. Just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. What's the point of living now? I'll never be the same. I've lost my eyes. I'm done. Let me just, let me go out in a blaze of glory. Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Very interesting dynamic. And you picture the people who were in there saying, what's he doing? What's he pushing on? What's he up to? Before they realize what's happening, like, oh no. In their inebriated state, perhaps, or before they could react or do something to stop it or get out, it's too late, and everyone inside perishes alongside of Samson. And as Samson dies that day, the interesting thing is this. He accomplished more. He killed more people when he died than his whole lifetime. In other words, in this one action right here, Samson served his purpose in the most weird and unconventional way. He became a rescuer to free Israel from the power of his Philistine oppressors. He was a rescuer, but what a way to go. And here's the, here's the interesting thing. He accomplished more at the end than he did at the beginning. All those years that he refused to embrace his purpose, he, he did some good, he caused some trouble, but it was in this moment where he finishes on purpose and on point and becomes a rescuer that's written in the storybook for us to read about over 3,000 years later. Before we go home today, Samson did more than accomplished more after the fall than he did beforehand. It wasn't worth the pain. Ask Samson, would you go back in time and uh, undo it? So you don't, instead of serving this great purpose at the end, would you rather go back in time and get your eyes back? Absolutely. It wasn't worth it, no, but he still was able to find purpose after his fall. And I want to revisit something today as we wrap up that we began with. We began today's message not talking about Samson or the rescuers. We started something that happened a few hundred years later when King Lemuel wrote some Proverbs down that are included in our book of Proverbs today. And King Lemuel said, when I was a boy, my mama taught me something. And I wonder, was his mom just teaching him some wise sayings or was his mom telling him some stories like this one? Hey, here's a story you need to hear, young Lemuel. Don't be like this. And here's a little wise saying for you. But sometime a few hundred years later, he learned a lesson that Samson never figured out. Samson never figured it out. But I want to remind you and me today as we go home. Listen, don't waste your strength 
on things that make you weak. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Things that will take away your, you could lose so much. Relationships, family, career, financial stability, influence, opportunity. For what? Passions that we can't control that are not good for us, but we don't care because we want it. Substance abuse. Bad relationship with a bottle or pills or something else. Women, men. Don't waste your strength on things that make you weak. I don't know who needs to hear that today. But my prayer is that between last service and this service, somewhere in our room or online later on, or right now, someone is saying, God, I need that today. Don't waste your strength on things that make you weak. Now, maybe you're here today and say, well, Arlen, that's really nice. Wonderful story. Here's the problem. It's too late for me. I could have used that message, I don't know, a couple years back, a couple months back, a couple long time back, some time ago, too late for me. No, it's not. We've all made some bad choices in our life. We've all woken up on the wrong side of some consequences for choices we've made. Some, may, some of you would say, yeah, but mine are big. Mine are big. Like, not Samson big. That's pretty crazy. But pretty big, big messes that I have found myself in. Little late for me here. But, but I want to encourage you today. First of all, you can encourage somebody else. You can say, trust me, listen to me. Don't go down this path. That's a purpose that God uses us for in our lives. But second of all, let me say this to you. If you have already fallen for the things that make you weak and have ended yourself in a spot you never wanted to be in, kind of like Samson in your own way, then I want you to let Samson's ending, I want you to let Samson's ending give you hope today. Here's my message for you. The God who gave you strength before can make you strong again. The God who gave Samson strength before, after his fall in that spot, he says, God, strengthen me again. And he did. And I know Samson's story is unique, but for you, I know the temptation to say, man, I'm in a spot now that of my own making and I don't know what to do. I, some of those things can't be undone, but here's the thing. From where you are, God is so good at realigning purpose and God can give you strength again. You see, I believe this with all my heart. God is looking forward, not backwards. Our enemy wants us to get stuck in the past. Things that we can't fix, things that we can't change. What can you do about yesterday? Nothing. So we get hung up on the past and it just holds us back. But God is not that way. He's always looking forward. What can we do? And the God who gave you strength before can make you strong once more. He can. And wherever you are today in your journey, if you need that message, if you need to let some things go and step into your future and step into your calling and say, God, it might look different now than it did before, but what can you have for me? Strengthen me and use me. God says, I can do that. We're finishing our rescuer stories. We have one more message to go in the middle of this book called Judges because it's such a crazy, you think that story is crazy. It's like, wow, we have one more thing to discover before we're done with this section of the scriptures. But that's the last rescuer that we're going to study in this little limited series. As we move on, I hope that maybe the story of Deborah, maybe the story of Gideon, maybe the story of Ehud helped you. All the judges weren't the same. Think about it. Deborah was an amazing judge. One of those amazing judges in the Bible was Deborah. She was, a, she was remarkable, wasn't she? She was a prophet. She, people came to her for wisdom. 
God, give us women like that. She led so well. But some of the judges were a little more messed up. They had Jephthah, who apparently said to God, if you give me my victory over my enemies, I'll sacrifice the third first thing that comes out of my house on an altar to you. And then his daughter was the first thing out of his house. Really crazy, messed up story. Weird stuff in that book. There was Deborah and people like her who were amazing. And then there were people like Samson who were so off point, but God still used it for his glory. And in the end, he got on, on track and did something special before he was gone. And I hope that today, maybe it was Gideon last week, or it was Deborah, or maybe it's Samson today, that we will heed God's message. These are stories, the Hebrew scriptures are funny for us. We're Christians, we live in the Christian scriptures. But these things are written in ancient times as an admonition or an example for us. Let these stories serve as an example to help us live better. I hope they will.